Warriors, this is the Spartan Underground. And now, your host, James 300 Foster. Welcome to 2018's first episode of the Spartan Underground. This episode features none other than Ty Gay. Ty is the lead singer of Everybody Panic and an awesome Gracie Jiu-Jitsu black belt. We had the opportunity to sit down and discuss a bunch of different things and it was just a great time. I think we covered a lot of very important topics, um, not only for people who train, but people who run their own jiu-jitsu academies. So I uh, really look forward to you guys listening and I think you'll get a lot out of it. Now I'd like to take a moment to focus on our sponsors. This episode, as well as every episode of the Spartan Underground, is sponsored by Show Your Roll. That's S-H-O-Y-O-R-O-L-L. You can find out more information about them on showyourroll.com. I can tell you they provide the best jiu-jitsu geese on the market, hands down. They also do some cool apparel. And uh, from time to time, even some other items uh, that they do in cooperation with other big name brands out there, which is very, very cool. If you're into jujitsu apparel as much as I am, you need another brand to check out. So make sure you check out Albino and Preto. Albino and Preto also makes awesome jujitsu geese, and they're a related company to Show You Roll that has their own designs and a little bit of a different style. They also do some really cool apparel. Make sure you check them out over on albinoandpreto.com. That's A L B I N O A N D P R E T O.com. Our featured sponsor of this episode is Impact Custom Mouth Guards. Impact Mouth Guards are the official provider of mouth guards for USA Boxing, and they have some really awesome custom grappling mouth guards that you can get. So uh, you go on their website, they send out a kit so you can do the custom molding of your teeth, send that off to them, uh, choose you know your completely custom design if you'd like, and uh, they're awesome mouth guards. They're, they're very thin while still providing a high level of protection. And uh, they don't, you know, make you feel like you can't breathe like a lot of the regular boil and bite or other custom mouth guards do. So make sure you give them a, a look over at impactmouthguards.com. And if you use the promotional code SPARTAN10, that's SPARTAN10, you will get 10% off your purchase of a custom mouth guard over on impactcustommouthguards.com. And now, without any further delay, here is episode 12 featuring Ty Gay. Enjoy the show. What's up, Spartan Warriors? I'm very excited to be here today with my friend Ty Gay. Ty is a Gracie Jiu-Jitsu black belt. 
He runs Redline Jiu-Jitsu in Oklahoma. And he's also uh, the front man, or should I say lead singer, or would front man better describe you for everybody panic? <laughs> uh, either or. I'll answer to either, I suppose. <laughs> All right. The the lead singer and front man of everybody <laughs> panic, Mr. Ty Gay. How are you doing today, sir? I am amazing. Awesome, brother. I really appreciate you taking the time to be on the podcast today. Oh, I, I'm honored. Super, lo I love your podcast. It's great. Awesome, man. Thank you. Yeah, I need to get on a, a schedule here of doing more because it's it's received a, a good response and. Well, I'd be preaching to the choir if I talked to you about being busy running a jiu-jitsu <laughs> school. You know all about that. Um, yes, but yeah, it's, I it's, also run a podcast, so we need to have you down to do a seminar and get on my podcast. We oh, man, I'd love that. I'd love that. That would be great. You know, so I like to do it in person whenever I can because it's just funner to interact. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But, um, no, I'd be down so for busy, sure. I don't have uh, much time to do them like, like you're doing here. Yeah. But, uh, every once in a while, it's really cool to have somebody. And we had Roy Dean and Henry come in. It's, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, so, yeah, definitely, though. I love the whole podcast thing, man. I think everybody um, with a voice, like especially like yours in the jiu-jitsu community, should have one. Definitely. <laughs> it's something that everybody can do. It's, it's fairly yeah. simple, fairly simple to set up. You don't need to spend a ton of money on equipment or anything like that to uh, – put together a nice nice sounding podcast and like you said yeah. uh for people with a little reach and, and influence in the jiu-jitsu community it's an awesome pe uh, platform for sure so i wanted to ask you a little bit about uh how you got into jiu-jitsu and how long you've been training and all that basic type of stuff for people who maybe uh aren't familiar with who you are and and also okay. touch a little bit on uh you know, how you got into music and all that cool stuff. Sure. So they're both pretty intertwined. Uh, I've been a musician for longer than I've been in jiu-jitsu. But um, basically, I was following a band around um, called Tool, right? It's a rock band. Yep. And, um, and backstage at one of those Tool concerts, I met a gentleman named uh, Henry Atkins. And uh, I had done martial arts since I was about nine, but it was like Taekwondo, Hapkido, the standard run-of-the-mill things that you get in a small town. And uh, so, but I could tell this guy, Henry, knew something because he was the bodyguard for Maynard, the singer of Tool. Right, and right. He had an air about him that was, and Henry back then was jacked. So he was a scary looking dude anyway. Yeah, but, I remember uh, hearing that he was, uh, he was quite a bit bigger back then. Yeah, it was before he went all vegan and whatnot, became a <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, you know, I saw him there and I walked up to him because um, everybody's bombarding Maynard with stuff. And so I walked up to Henry. And I was like, man, I know you do some kind of martial art. What is it? And he, I'll never forget. He stood up and he's a little taller than me. He crossed his arms in that Gracie stance. He raised his chin a little bit. He looked down his nose at me and he said, Gracie Jiu-Jitsu. <laughs> I was just like, whoa, you know. And I had already seen Hoy face, uh, fight in the UFC Four, I think in Oklahoma and Tulsa and just destroy Dan Severn, you know, after so, so many minutes. And uh, this is when I met Henry, it was about 1997. So a little bit after the UFC started kicking out, you know, yeah. everybody would be watching the VHS tapes at the house, you know, and they didn't happen very often, you know, and they're blood sportish. <laughs> I was, yeah, I was right there with you. Same yeah. thing. So that's kind of how I got started. 
And in Oklahoma, there just wasn't anybody here yet. Back then, um, Hickson had just left the Gracie Academy to have his own academy, right? It was like in a Taekwondo school or karate school. Um, so that had just happened. Carlos Machado, I don't believe, was in Texas yet. So there just wasn't anybody around me. Um, and so I was training at a judo school named uh, USA Stars under Pat Burst, an Olympic judo coach there. And uh, they had a jiu-jitsu program. Um, and it was Japanese jiu-jitsu, but they were calling it, like, I think combat jiu-jitsu, which is funny now that Eddie Bravo has that whole thing. Yeah, exactly. But it was very much, I would say, back in those days, it was very much uh, just like everywhere was that was trying to do grappling back then. It was very rudimentary, crude, um, you know, and we were rough and tumble. <laughs> much, much different training methodology than I have today. Yeah, it was um, different back in those days. Yeah, it was... Uh, every, every uh, you know? yeah, every role was like the final at Worlds or something. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so in Henry, because I became friends with him actually when he, on that tour, um, because we kind of connected on the martial art thing, he's like, you know, my brothers live here in Oklahoma and my family lives here. I'm getting dropped off the tour here in Oklahoma uh, for Christmas. And so that's kind of how I got really connected with Henry. And he would come over to my house and just show me basic. He was a blue belt then and would show me, you know, the basic self-defense techniques that Hickson was showing him. And uh, we become good friends and friends with his brothers, too, and then um, and his family. And, uh, yeah, he would come back in town every year for Christmas or Thanksgiving, maybe just to visit. And I would go out there some and train with him. I got to meet Hoxon, which was really cool. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. You know, um, I would – uh Hoxon would sell me his old t-shirts yeah. <laughs> so, so like he would have tournament shirts from brazil because it was in portuguese i thought that was super cool you know that's awesome do you so, still have do you still have some of those i do i have like two of them left i think i had originally i had like six but i you know how time goes stuff gets oh long. yeah they don't fit me anymore <laughs> <laughs> too swole <laughs> yeah too that's it swole that's it <laughs> Oh, you know, man. On the road with the band sometimes it's hard when it's all like beer and pizza diet, you know? Yeah, I can imagine that would make it difficult. <laughs> so, I mean, fast forward, I um, I trained there for a little bit and had some interactions with Henry. And so he would show me stuff and we would train all that. And then um, I met a guy named Leonardo Xavier who moved from Brazil, I think, to, to Louisiana first and then to Houston. Um, I trained under his association in Gracie Humata for uh, eight, eight and a half years. And um, before I was black belted, I was a brown belt in that association. And before I got my black belt, I was a little bit disillusioned with uh, just what we were doing in the direction of the association that I was in. Not not Humata, but um, the Leonardo Xavier Association. And right. nothing against him. He's a great dude. Awesome techniques and stuff. But for me, I started with Henry in this very um, street-based, he was Hickson, you know, stuff. Yeah. And so I was really kind of looking for that. And... Henry was always so magical to me. Like he, his jujitsu just felt different, right? And um, yeah, so I always wanted that. And I was almost a black belt, and I didn't have that. I felt like I didn't understand jujitsu very well, you know, for being that way. I, I was good at certain moves. Don't get me wrong; I could win some tournaments, you know. But it wasn't like uh, I had an understanding of it. And that's actually when I met Henner. So I so fast forward just a little bit. Me and him had a little bit of a falling out, and I. I left the association and I had no association. One of my friends is like, oh, we should go to this, uh, this Gracie immersion thing in, uh, I think it was in, 
Fiji. Fiji. Yeah. And this is an eye doctor friend of mine. And I was like, John, you're an eye doctor. This is my eye doctor buddy. His name's John. <laughs> I was like, you're an eye doctor. I'm a jiu-jitsu teacher. We don't go to Fiji. You're a jiu-jitsu teacher. <laughs> right. So, so um, he was lucky enough. He got to go. But he made friends with Henner and Hedon and uh, even, even Victoria, which were just girlfriends at the time. Right. And uh, Eve needed uh, some eye surgery, right, for to get, like, eye implant. These, uh, like, LASIK implant, like, things that go in your eyes, right? So John Bellardo is like the number one guy in the world of doing that stuff. My buddy is the eye doctor. He's amazing. So they brought uh, her in, and Henner came in and did a seminar for me for free um, as appreciation to John. Oh, and very cool. I met Henner, and I, I never forgot. Like He taught a seminar, and he was teaching the American Key Lock. I'll never forget this. He's teaching the American Key Lock, and if you've ever been to one of Henner's seminars – it's truly a mind-blowing experience because of how detailed he is. But anyway, he was doing the American key lock that we've all done, right? And he looks up at his grandfather's picture, and there's something happened in that moment. Like I could see like he looked up at his grandfather in just such a way, and he was showing the key lock, and it was just magical, right? And yeah. his style was very street-based, you know? And so I really, really liked that. And um you know, I asked them if there's any kind of associations or anything like that, and they said they were kind of in a prototype thing with the whole CTC deal, but they didn't have anything put together. And so yeah, that was before before they set up the the yeah. Gracie University and all that kind Correct. of stuff, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, they had like they just made the DVDs, I believe, for combatives. Um, anyway, so I fly under the radar a little bit on that and get to come in and sit in on some things and. I get to meet Hedon, and me and Hedon really clicked. He is like a philosopher, right? Yeah, he's and awesome. So, I've, I've had the opportunity to train with him on a couple of different occasions and always had a great time. Yeah, he's super cool because he loves stepping outside the box on any given topic, um, including jiu-jitsu, and really pushing the boundaries of who he is, you know, as a human being, his diet, like the whole thing. And so I really have to credit him for a lot of my – direction in life when it comes to being like um just pushing myself to be like a better person to never just settle for where i'm at you know type of thing you know yeah so he's pretty instrumental in that and also his wife him and his wife have been really instrumental in me and my wife's relationship also like they they're just really great people and they they do things in a different way and i like i like that so we've gotten a lot out of um just our relationship with them and how helpful they are and then Henner, of course, uh, helped me as a businessman. So uh, I was not <laughs> a businessman at all uh, until I met that guy. And he really showed me a different way of being able to uh, to run a business. And uh, as far as their teaching methodologies go, man, the best thing I ever learned in my life was jiu-jitsu, right? But the second best thing I ever learned was how to convey that information to others. And I totally uh, I have to give them credit on that because that was all them. Yeah, teaching really is something that you, you have to work on and you have to learn. Uh, I think a lot of people uh, may be blessed uh, technically, but a lot of times have trouble conveying that information when it comes to actually showing somebody else the ins and outs of how a technique works. Yeah, for sure. 
Yeah, so um, I got to go through their instructor program and stuff uh, a couple different times, once under the radar and then once, you know, to become a certified instructor for them. And then I brought a bunch of people through to do that also. And then I was one of the guys that helped run the tests up there for a while. I was a big part of their group and association. But what had happened for me was my band started to really take off. So through this whole time, this journey of doing jiu-jitsu for eight and a half years, I've also been in a band touring all over the United States with a couple of different projects. But uh, the most recent one that I've been in since 2012, um, we got signed on our third show. We opened up for a band called the Deftones, or Deftones, not the Deftones. Yeah. And um, great band, and we got picked up by a label that night, which was really awesome. And it's kind of a new up-and-coming label that, you know, um, really working hard to do stuff called Cavi Gold Records. So it was really good for us and to get to go on the road. The bad part was, is as far as, like, my duties helping out with the academy and running a CTC and doing all these things. I just wasn't in a place to do it like I was before. And I had so much focus on my on my music career and all this stuff that was going on for it. So um, I left the CTC program at the Gracie Academy w- with their blessing, of course. And I run kind of a, a boutique-type jiu-jitsu school called Redline Jiu-Jitsu in Oklahoma now. And it's, you know, I think it's... Um, it still follows a lot of the same guidelines that the Gracie Academy had set forth, but um, we do have a few different things, you know, that uh, the Academy doesn't necessarily do, or I guess we should say Gracie University now. Right. Do. <clears throat> but um, I think that's great. There takes all, all kinds um, out there. Yeah, definitely. Their program is amazing. Like, they are they're above a lot of associations on stuff when it comes to, like, for instance— they do background checks on all of their instructors, a nationwide background check that the instructor has to pay for. Yeah, that's really uh, ahead of their time. Really important, uh, and that's something I wanted to to touch on. You know, you've kind of you uh, stepped out in the jiu-jitsu community and and made a statement. You know, recently, uh, basically calling out uh, uh, leaders of academies to make sure that they're. Back, background checking their instructors and, and their students and making sure that, you know, the, the, we don't have any of these sexual predators uh, training amongst us and, and taking advantage of a, of a situation where they're learning, uh, you know, obviously dangerous things that could be used for bad purposes and uh, using it as a venue to, to prey upon people further. I think that's... Uh, that's very important, and I think it's something that a lot of academies and instructors shy away from. So kind of what, what spurred you on to to want to come out and make that statement and, and make sure that people were aware that, you know, bad people train in jiu-jitsu as well? Ugh, man. Uh, well, I didn't. I didn't have any intentions of doing any of this. Right. Yeah. I was uh, really trying to focus on my own jiu-jitsu practice, my students. Um, I'm creating a curriculum for my students that they can access just them and stuff. So I'm really focused on that. And then my musical career, we're, um, we're recording with this guy named Logan Mater. And he's like, you know, in the music world, he's huge. He did like the Five Finger Death Punch records. And, oh, awesome. Uh, you know, it's just, he's just a great dude and, and really connected into the industry. It's the first time we've ever got to do anything that big, you know? Yeah. So um, that was really what I thought my focus was going to be. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, so Brandon Hetzler is a friend of mine on, uh, on Facebook and who used to be, uh, 
I say used to be, still is, Hicks and Gracie Black Belt. Um, kind of does his own thing and he's got his, he's super into like Japanese culture and he's very, very uh, knowledgeable and stuff. Well, anyway, he, um, he posted a statement about Hicks and Gracie uh, taking a picture on Instagram with this guy, Dave Arnbeck. And uh, he had been um, in some trouble. Right. Um, so we, you know, I saw that happen and I talked to him, I called Henry, right? Because Henry's been my friend this whole time. Also, Hicks and Gracie Blackville. And um, Henry told me, yeah, I actually went to the uh, association like two years ago when it first started or whatever, when he was invited out there and talked to them about it. And the reason that Henry kind of pulled away from the whole thing is kind of nothing was ever done about it. And Brandon actually told me he'd said the same thing, but they were separate from each other, but they both talked about these two, there was two guys specifically, right? David being one of them. And um, in my whole life, you got to understand, I've, I've really looked up to Hickson and Pedro Sauer and all these old old school, you know, OGs of the art. Um, I modeled a lot of the things that I did in my life after them, you know, and, you know, Hickson Superman. And so um, to ha feel like there was like these guys in their clique and, um, and they weren't doing anything about it just disturbed me. Yeah, so the for first sure. video I made, I got a lot of heat for it because I call, I think I called Hickson a fraud or something in there. Oh, what, I want yeah. people to, what I want people to realize is I wasn't necessarily trying to uh, run Hickson's name through the mud or do anything negative to Hickson, but without shaking everything up and kind of ruffling some feathers, I just don't think people would have noticed anything. You got to understand, you got two black belts from Hickson. They've already gone to Hickson, you know, and... Um, and it kind of just went away. There's also been people like, um, uh, let's see, who's, let's see, there was an article not very long ago, thinking, uh, I can't remember the exact date on it, but um, about sexual misconduct in tournaments and stuff like that, right? There's guys yeah. that were convicted of maybe rape or whatever that were still getting to compete. Yeah, anyway, still being allowed. Yeah, still yeah. being allowed to compete in the in the Correct. major events and everything. Yeah, yeah, and it just kind of came up and then it went away, right? And so it makes me a little bit panicky. No pun intended, because <laughs> panic. But that this can kind of go on. So me and Brandon and Henry started really, really researching stuff, right? And Brandon got a hold of some. Uh, he basically paid 25 bucks, I think, so for a month he could check anybody anywhere. And so we just started checking people, right? And uh, there's another guy that was in question, too. And the reason that we didn't – I didn't say anything about Homolo, is who it is, um, is because I was uh, just waiting. As I needed that for leverage in case they never said anything. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> now, through this whole time where things were going down, I actually got in contact with Pedro Sauer. And, man, that guy is awesome. He really believed in what we were doing. He's got daughters of his own. Uh, he encouraged me. I believe. Yeah, that. there's even a wasn't there even a video of uh, some guy who was sexually harassing his daughter that he <laughs> yeah, like put in a wrist. put in a wrist lock. Yeah. 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 So I mean, he is on our side for sure. And let me just say this: Hickson is also on our side, and I believe that the whole jujitsu community is on the same side, you know, as far as like, we don't want sexual predators in this group. Yeah, definitely. Here's the thing. Um, and I, cause I talked to so many people. Um, and when you, you hear 
enough people talk about one person, it's typically true. And here's what I hear about Hickson, that he is just like the most awesome dude ever. And he would give you the shirt off his back, and he believes in everybody. He really wants to see the good in everybody, right? And so I yeah. hear that from almost everybody that knows the guy, right? So I don't think that he's being malicious by any stretch um, by having these guys wearing his patch and all this stuff. What I do think is that he believes, you know, so much in the good in people that sometimes bad people can manipulate him. Yeah, and, and slip um, through the cracks and kind of yeah. be the the proverbial uh, wolf, wolf in sheep's clothing type of deal. Totally. I totally think that. But I think that right now we're just to a spot in like humanity's time or whatever where we're starting to get rid of things like that. Humanity is evolving. And, you know, we've said for a long time that we don't like pedophiles and rapists, right? And we all say that. We, no one's going to say they like pedophiles and rapists. But how many of us have really stood up and tried to eradicate them from certain places? Not It just... It just hasn't happened, you know? Yeah, and I, it's, you know, it's up to the, the leaders in whatever community it may be to, to stand up against this this stuff and be an example of how you should approach it and and how you should uh, deal with these types of situations and, and set that example. Definitely. Definitely. Because if not, here's what's going to happen, James. We're going to create an environment set up for predators. Exactly. We put, we, we put black belts on a pedestal. They're all of a sudden, they instantly become life coaches for some reason, and the, and they've got this weird mystique about them and this power, and then they can just have this intimate closeness with everybody without any question. Nah, man, we got to make sure that that doesn't, no weirdos slip through. Yeah, and, and not only that, but you're teaching people, uh, you know, techniques on how to subdue and control somebody, you know, oh, dangerous Lord, techniques, know. Uh, you know, that could be used in, in uh, bad ways. So and we have a huge responsibility as, uh, as black belts and, you know, people with uh, some following in the jujitsu jiu community to stand up against this stuff and make sure people know that it's not okay and that we're not going to not going to put up with that and we're not going to have anybody under our roof who you know falls under that that uh label uh, as a predator yeah man i agree and just to be clear after the first video where i was asking hickson to make a statement or whatever i had no intentions on making another video calling out uh Hobolo and scott noggle i wasn't trying to do that publicly i was really trying to go through the right channels and do that but what I kind of started to realize is that I was probably in the best position to do it because I really wasn't as connected to those guys. You see what I'm saying? It's like I didn't have, right. you know, I, I could say whatever and who, who cares? It's Ty from Oklahoma, you know? And so yeah. um, that's really kind of why I, I went ahead and made the second one. Because here's the thing. Although it's a noble cause and all that kind of stuff, a lot of people um, – were cautioning me not to do so and it wasn't because of they're trying to protect these guys it was because they're trying to protect me because you have to think about if you're taking about they're talking about taking away somebody's identity their place of power and their money you're creating an enemy right yeah for sure and this is i'm it's not my intention to create enemies but um i do want to see the people that are in our community safe, you know? And so I had to talk to my wife, Jennifer, and say, you know, hey, this is what I'm doing. 
how do you feel about it? You know, let's talk about worst case scenarios. What if somebody wants to retaliate against me? Which I hope nothing would ever happen like that, but we have to think about it. And she said, you know, if I don't want to, I want to stand for something. I don't want to live my life and think that we didn't stand up. And so then I had to go to my band. I have to ask them because they're on stage with me with spotlights, you know, very right. vulnerable position. And they, I said, I want you guys to think about it. You know, don't answer now. And they were like, we're answering now. We want to do it. We stand for something. And so these are the kind of people that are in my life. And then, of course, I had to talk to my school. And uh, they're less in danger, I would say, than everybody else. But still, you know, that most people want to be known. Oh, I got my black belt from this guy who won worlds you know this year or whatever maybe you got your black belt from ty gay the guy that was calling out all the weirdos <laughs> you know so yeah. that's a uh, they have to know that you know and everybody was totally down everybody supports you know what i'm doing so that's when we made the decision that i would make that last video and then after Isn't that it, uh, probably, uh, know, um, some of them went to jail and stuff you know? right so there were some really scandalous stuff going on there. I, f I find it interesting though that there would be such a uh you know, a, a negative response to what you're saying because it's not like you're throwing out just false uh, allegations against people. You're actually researching and, you know, well, finding information that, that's, you know, that the public can I go out and find. I think the problem, and I, and I was part of the problem, let me just state that, but there's something I believe is called lineage cults, Right. And I was part of that because I idolized Hickson, put him on this weird pedestal that's not fair to him. Right? He's a man, right? Right. So, but I have him as this guy who's never been, had never lost a match, and you know, he's this samurai like Buddhist monk or whatever. But that's that's um, that's being intellectually dishonest, you know, and not taking responsibility for my my part to do to be the best person I can be. Don't look up to others. Try to be the example, you know? And so here's the thing. There's a lot of people who start coming in and say, jujitsu is magic. I mean, you, it's like superpower, right? So yeah. when you first come in, there's a white belt and they roll with a black belt. They're like, oh my God, I had no idea it was going to be like this, right? So you automatically have superpowers to this person. So that sometimes creates a weird thing about the instructor or their lineage or whatever else. And it's really important. Don't get me wrong. It's really important to pay homage to the people that came before you and pay respects to those who did work so you could be here. Right? Yeah, most definitely. But there's well, we, we also We also yeah. have to realize that, that we're all human. Right. And we're yeah. all capable of, of making mistakes, you know, uh, knowingly and sometimes unknowingly. And yes. uh, we're, we're responsible for the mistakes that we make, and we need to own up to them. Definitely. Yeah, but I believe the community right now, man, things are looking good. Um, I think with Henry and Hedon's statement about the whole um, looking at even their students, you know, just make that part of your waiver, right? They sign a waiver, say, hey, listen, you have any criminal history, check this box, then explain why, and note that we are going to do a criminal background check. Yeah, that's very smart. And I was actually going to ask you, you know, uh, what are some tips that, that you have as far as what what academy owners can do, you know, to be more proactive on this? Okay, so for one, obviously, make sure that all of your instructors are legit and have complete background checks, a thousand percent. The second yeah. thing you can do is make sure that you have cameras in all of the places where you can. That means everywhere except for the bathroom, right? Right. 
if you can't afford to put them in your training room, like your private training area, uh, do not have a door on your private training room area. Have some sort of a little curtain or something there. Um, that's taking care of anything that could go on inside the academy. There's no hearsay then. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah. Um, you can see it directly. This guy did this to me, and you can rewind the tape and look at it, right? So that's important, I think, um, always having uh, instructor meetings about talking about if there's any weird behavior that you're talking about it in your meetings with your instructors, then you can red flag people. This is kind of some strange behavior. Let's watch this guy or girl, whatever. Um, to help you stay on top of it. And then I think that, um, you know, the background, background checks on students is priceless. I think that's an awesome idea. And, um, and, uh, for people that aren't aware, I mean, there's databases you can go to. There's, there's some right. that are, uh, not even to where you have to pay, but you just yeah, go right. on and, and put a name in. It's free, and, and you can search and, you know, see if any uh, records show up on that individual. That is right. Yes, that's true. Yeah, anybody can search. That's the thing. Um, it just takes a little bit of time, you know, but that's you know, fairly easy. You have to do your due diligence to, uh, you know, it's a, it's a small thing to do to, to avoid a potentially horrible situation. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I think a lot of people, you know, uh, as far as the heads of academies, uh, maybe it's just an extra headache that they're not wanting to, to deal with, unfortunately. And, and it kind of gets, you know, pushed to the side and, and uh, uh, not as much of a focus goes on it as there should be. Yeah, I really think, though, it's the future, though. If you want to have, a like, a business, now, if you're just running a jiu-jitsu school for a hobby or whatever, I can see that being maybe the case. But if you really want to have students, man, you need to have something that takes care of them like this, and the, the masses are going to look for something like that, and more and more, I believe, you know. Your, your academy is holy ground, right? It should be treated like such. If your instructors treat it like that, then the, the students start treating it like that, and that comes from the main person that runs it, so... Yeah, I always say it all comes down from the top. Yeah. So, uh, speaking of academies, when did you establish and start Redline Jiu-Jitsu? Uh, I started it in, I believe it was 2002. But 2004 okay. is actually when I got my LLC, so legally 2004. Right, um, right. <laughs> but I was running some stuff out of like a gymnastics place. We had like a little pink and purple dance room, and the guy let me have it after seven o'clock. And we would put down mats. It was hilarious. I had like a pink boa around the top. <laughs> you had to be pretty tough to train in a pink and purple room with Ty Gay. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> but, That's yeah, awesome. That made us made us who we are, I guess. So now, I uh, what little thing after that for sure? What rank were you when you started teaching? Blue belt. Okay. Yeah, so, I was a uh, I was actually a purple belt when I started teaching. So, yeah. So Lovato got his blue belt before me from uh, Carlos Machado. I saw him in the paper with his dad. They both got blue belts. It was a big deal here in Oklahoma. I was still a white belt at the time, but shortly thereafter that, I got my blue belt, and I was basically just teaching some classes at a karate place on the side sometimes. And then um, I was teaching this kick and gym thing, like half karate, half gymnastics to four year olds. Right. So it was like just fun. And, yeah, uh, that's the guy who let me have the place. Um, his name is Steve Honer, amazing dude. Let me have uh, the space after seven o'clock, and that's when I started like 
getting people to come grapple with me. Of course, then I didn't charge. You know, I didn't start charging until 2004. It's funny. We have a real similar kind of story as far as that goes, because I was... I was teaching out of a karate place as well, and I kind of started my whole deal around 2003, 2004 as well. So I think we've been kind of on a very similar path. You've been training, what, going on 22 years now? Yes, my 21st year on February 6th. Okay, yeah, so we're right around the same. I'm working on my 22nd year, so that's really cool, man. Yeah, we've been we've been in it uh, almost since the beginning of when it was you know popularized here in the U.S. through uh, all of us I think first seeing it in the UFC with Hoist. Yeah, man, that was the thing, little Hoist, so awesome. Yeah, we were like, man, what is this guy doing? Because I know I was doing karate at the time and. Yeah, I was a <laughs> I was too. a black belt in black belt in karate, and I'm like me and a few of the other black belts saw that, and we're like, man, what is this guy doing? Started <laughs> okay. trying to trying to reverse engineer it and see if we could figure it out, and and yep. just the the rest is history, as they say. Yeah, man, it's so cool. Now it's um somebody was asking me the other day. They were asking me if I was because I was the first school here in Edmond, Oklahoma. And uh, there's a bunch here now. And uh, in fact, on my bicycle ride to my academy, which is 10 minutes away by on a bike, I passed two academies to get to my academy. And uh, somebody's crazy. asking me, like, oh, how do you feel about that? You know, you know, coming into your space and all that stuff. I think it's awesome. There is not enough jujitsu academies. You can put 10 more in this town and I wouldn't, I wouldn't blink an eye. I think it's great. There's not enough academies to house all the people in any given town right now you know yeah absolutely so as opposed to like fighting for the people who are already in jujitsu I'm, I'm just trying to get the people who have never even been exposed to it you know to come in and i think that's kind of how our business model works and works best yeah and it's amazing to see how far it's come it's got to be cool you know for for you to see it you know after being one of the first schools there and now seeing how much it's growing yeah uh, it's, it, it's awesome it, it really is, and, you know, I think... Uh, I was scared for a while, man. I was scared that uh, yeah. the UFC, UFC was going to be deemed a blood sport. It was going to go away. Oh, yeah. Well, I think we can learn a lot about, you know, building up, uh, building up jiu-jitsu as a whole, you know, doing things for jiu-jitsu as a whole versus looking at it as a competition between us and the other schools that are out there because like you said there's there's plenty for everybody and um should be trying to bring others up instead of tearing others down unfortunately i think uh when people don't understand how to run a business they often tend to uh run uh, run other people's names through the mud in in an attempt to try to build themselves up and you know, we're all, real yeah, fortunate. We're, we're pretty fortunate here in in Washington State that uh, we have good relationships with with all the other academies. Uh, it's a pretty unique situation because we all came up together, so yeah. we're all friends and we were all white belts together. But I always find it, you know, kind of sad to see when I travel around that it's it's not like that everywhere. Like other academies don't support each other's events right. and all these type of things. You know, I'm really blessed with Oklahoma. I mean, I get along with all these academies. Like any of those academies I drive by, I could walk right in and have a roll before I get to my academy. In fact, That's some great, of the guys man. got their blue belts from me. So when they started out, you know, so it's like um, everybody in Oklahoma, I don't know if it was just because um, 
Oklahoma is kind of the center of the United States and we're kind of, you know, we're considered just out in the country. <laughs> but yeah. we have a really cool community where everybody's sharing all the time. I just went to a seminar the other day where a bunch of dudes that are getting ready to compete against each other were in the same room together learning leg locks and doing some cool stuff, you know? So yeah, like, see? It's just one That's big awesome. group, you know? So yeah, we'll fight yeah. when we get to the, to the map, but when we're just hanging out, you know, we're just all, we're all part of the same thing, which is a beautiful, beautiful thing, jiu-jitsu. Yeah, and that's something I think, uh, again, it needs to be uh, an example that the leaders of the academies set, you know, it's like, hey, we we go to seminars still, we're black belts, we go out and learn from other people, and people from other associations are our friends, and we're just in it to, to see jiu-jitsu grow and, and, and to continue to grow ourselves. Yeah, become the best versions of ourselves while helping others do the same. It's great. Exactly. So, uh, how often do you tour with your band now? Well, shoot, see, I was on tour for a complete year, and then wow. I got off tour, so that was kind of interesting. Uh, luckily, I have everything set up at my academy and a wonderful uh, staff, um, some brown belts there. You know, I don't have any black belts of my own yet, but just amazing, amazing teachers that are there. I have seven instructors under me there, and they really kept everything going while I was gone, and then when I'm back... I just float around to like all the classes, right? So I'm not really designated to teach any of them, but I try to teach uh, as many of them as I can while I'm in town, you know? And yeah. that's a, a lot of fun. But uh, as far as touring goes, I think we're getting ready on June 3rd. I think we're getting ready to start another one. Uh, but it's amazing because I travel with mats and um, I do this thing called uh, rock jitsu. <laughs> and nice. so all my, I have a bunch of rock, rock and roll friends that also do jiu-jitsu and we're part of this little clique called rock jitsu. So we like to meet up on the road or if somebody wants to come and do private lessons with me on the road, uh, they can meet me before the show. I have mats that I can roll out and we do a little thing where I give you, you get tickets and uh, get to do a private lesson, all this stuff. It's like these package deals that we do, which is really That's cool. Great. And then I also get to uh, visit other schools all over the United States, which is super, super awesome because I'm with the band, so I don't have to pay for flights or whatever. I'm just there. So I get to do seminars and meet people uh, all over the United States, and uh, that's super, super awesome when I get to do So that. that's great. You get to maintain your training and uh, spread the love of jiu-jitsu to others while you're on tour. Oh, yeah. Jiu-jitsu by day, rock and roll by night. That's awesome. Uh, <laughs> I love it, man. That's very cool. Um, <clears throat> what do you find is the, the biggest challenge uh, when running your academy, when being away for extended periods uh, of time? Like you said, you have uh, assistant instructors and everything that kind of oversee things while you're gone. But, I mean, it's got to be challenging to kind of, you know, be out of the picture a little bit and not have that level of control over uh, over the business? Well, um, it is, but I believe jiu-jitsu breaks into three different parts. I believe it's mental, verbal, and physical, right? And we right. get a lot of practice on the physical aspect of it when we're at the academy, when we can train. But whenever we're hurt or we're sick or you're on tour, it gives you an opportunity to hone those other two aspects of the art. And so that's really what I try to do. I'm also plugged in because I have cameras at my school that are linked to my phone so I can watch every class if I want to. Okay, um, yeah. And uh, like our tests, if there's any tests, they're videotaped, they're sent to me. I grade them uh, video-wise, you know. So as far as that goes, I still kind of have a hand in the mix. 
So you're pretty but, connected uh, via the technology and everything. Helps you stay correct. connected. Yeah, it's yeah, digital age for sure. Crazy world we live in. I know, isn't it awesome, dude? My very band, cool. We don't even practice. We're we practice like a week before we go on tour, but we write everything in separate states or towns and states. You know, got a guy in uh, all the way in California, you know, Oklahoma. You know, so it's like technology. If it wasn't for technology, we wouldn't even be able to have the band that we have. Uh, it's pretty amazing. Like nowadays, the recording process is so much different than it used to be. I used to back in the '90s, we'd be recording on reel to reel. You know, now yeah. everything is digital. Um, this last record, when we went in and wrote, we didn't hardly even have any of the. We had some pieces of music, but no, no real structure to anything. We wrote everything right there on the fly. It's crazy. One of the songs that we wrote is called uh, "Dead Heroes," and I really wrote it after the first video that I made. And I was just pumping all my aggression and anger towards the situation into that song. Right. But it was written in like nine hours. That's crazy. crazy. Used to, that didn't happen. It would take me months and months to figure out a song, you know, and get it right. But yeah. And there's so many, uh, yeah. Yeah. So many, uh, tools available to us to be able to collaborate and do all these things over great distances. I mean, look you at know, it right heard... now. We're having a podcast right now. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I heard about this thing the other day. Uh, basically, they're calling it Photoshop for the human voice. Did you hear about that? Uh-uh. Okay, so basically what they can do now, they've got this software where uh, basically the more audio of the person you have, the, the better oh, quality yeah. they can make it. Where they take your voice and make you say anything? Yeah, they can make a. They could make us say anything if they listen to this whole podcast. They would have enough uh, data to be able to uh, simulate our voices and have it yeah. be near near indistinguishable. Yeah. Oh man, yeah, great. Well, that way I don't have to have any more podcasts. They can just do it for yeah, me. Yeah, the yeah <laughs> the, ba the band. You won't even have to sing. They'll just run you through that software and make you make oh, you I sing can't. all the lyrics. I can't wait. Get me one of those uh, holograms <laughs> or whatever, like Tupac has. Oh, man. There you go. I just sit, kick back at my house. Just watch it from my house. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, something I wanted to talk about a little bit. You've got a pretty amazing wife who uh, uh, runs shijitsu and, and does all sorts of cool things within the jiu-jitsu community as well to yeah, empower dude. women. So you guys yeah, got uh, you guys got married not too long ago, correct? It's true. We got married on Halloween. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> We've been together for nine years. So, That's uh, awesome. Everything. And to be honest, you're asking me like what the hardest part of going on the road is. It's really leaving her. I love her and love to be around her. So that's yeah, that's always uh, really difficult. She's yeah, my for sure. Favorite training partner. She's, you know, my best friend, you know, sounds like all cliche. But yeah, all, all the cliche stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I say the, the same things about my wife and and you, you realize how cliche it sounds it, it, until you've experienced it. Right. Yeah, man. It's real. Yeah. And she runs obviously she, she runs Shijitsu, which is a um, which is a company that's designed to empower women on and off the mat. Right. Just with anything that could possibly do such. And she's got that shirt that says "Real Men Empower Women." She's had that for about five years. It's in a yep, yep. bunch of I've different got places two, now. I've got two of them that yeah. I wear regularly. Yep. But I just love that message, and I think right now we're just in a place and time where 
a lot of guys don't know they want to help we just don't know what to do but i think that shirt just kind of conveys like yo we're here we're you know we're behind you we got your back and i think that's cool i have so many people out in public <laughs> i was at uh some store the other day and this lady she looked like she was having she looked like she was having kind of a bad day she looked at me and i could immediately tell like i was going to get the stink eye but she right. had my shirt and her face immediately changed she came over she gave me a hug there was no words exchanged you that's know, awesome she moved, she moved on so you know i think things like that are important also jennifer is real big about you know grounding techniques and stuff like that and that's helped me a lot she's also a yoga teacher and stuff so she's been really um really beneficial in my life you know plus she's an amazing cook i don't know if you've seen any of her pictures of her food yeah i've before. seen that yeah she makes uh now are both you guys vegan or no 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 i'm vegan by okay. default whenever i eat her food <laughs> okay so she's but, vegan and then you're vegan by default yeah i eat meat though and sometimes she does too don't let her get okay twisted but um, but we we tend to do just like really high end meats, nothing that's like uh, none of the you know just normal ground beef or whatever. We're trying to get like good cuts of meat that are grass fed, no, you know, no weird chemicals or hormones. Yeah, exactly. You know, stuff in there. She actually has a cookbook that's coming out on Valentine's Day and. It's a meal plan and a cookbook, and it's just super clean. Like it's designed for vegans, but you can supplement, and she shows how to with a with your choice of meat. Oh, very cool! So, so you can go for uh, us meat eaters too. So, right on. Where where uh, where will that be available when it comes out? I believe it will be on shijitsu.com. Okay, very cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's so awesome. Check that out. She's got a lot of cool stuff. She's got a cool blog and stuff. She's I'm biased, but she's pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> now, you uh, spoke a little bit about, you know, the how she helps you with grounding techniques and things, and, and maybe a little, uh, now, is that through meditation or or just uh, kind of taking some time for yourself to quiet your mind, that type of thing? Many, many things like that. There's, um, depends on the level of stress that you're in, you know, um, but for me, uh stopping everything like stopping my phone and everything else and in the morning having my five minutes of breathing with my eyes shut and it sounds not like much but it it really helps me set my tone for the day um just drink a big glass of water and sit there also like if i'm getting too like panic stricken <laughs> uh one of the techniques is to look at something and name it without giving any kind of emotion to it like uh, okay door it's brown the floor is wood you know, and so once you're going down that path, it kind of gets you out of the weird um, negative feedback loop that I'm sometimes in. Basically ways to make yourself be present. Yes. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. I also like to go put my feet on the grass. I like feeling the earth um, in my feet. I don't know if there's any, like, I've seen lots of people say, oh, you get some sort of a energy through your chakras. I'm not saying, <laughs> I'm, just saying I'm just saying I like to stand barefoot on the ground. And like just taking the air and let the sun on my face. And I also like to pick three things every day that I'm really thankful for. And I like to periodically go back through the day and um, really think about those things. 
Yeah, I think with uh, jiu-jitsu especially, we, we always think about jiu-jitsu being about all the cool moves we learn and everything, but uh, people really kind of leave the mental component out of it, unfortunately, and it's such a huge part of jiu-jitsu, uh, especially for people that, that compete. Um, yeah. Oh, I've man. seen a lot of a lot of amazing, you know, people who are very gifted athletes, uh, technically and physically, go out and just fall apart because the mental aspect of their game hadn't been trained enough yeah. leading up to the event. And I always tell my students, you know, that's that's a component of your training as well. It's not just about coming in and drilling moves. You also have to be working on your mind. Oh man. Yeah, I mean, there's a reason that all the Olympians do so many mental reps, you know. They're doing visualization stuff all the time, not because it doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, you, well, you look at any uh, pro sport, usually there's, uh, you know, they have their own uh, mental training that they go through and, and coaches that they do their mental coaching with and everything. It's a regular sure. part. Uh, name anybody who's an elite level in their sport, and they'll tell you that that's a huge uh, aspect of their training. So Definitely. I wonder why it's kind of something that's that's uh, overlooked so much. I think it's because we're so new. I think we're kind of still evolving. Like, look at judo. Judo's in the Olympics, right? So they're, like, trying to win the Olympics. So, right. Wrestling, too, is in the Olympics. So it's just, I think... We're kind of new, and everybody's trying all these different things out. And there is no rules, which makes it really cool, you know? So that's one of the cooler aspects to it. But the, the down part is that sometimes we neglect tried-and-true methods that are, you know, staples. Yeah, maybe you think it doesn't apply to us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because we do jiu-jitsu, and jiu-jitsu's right. magic, right? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> So where can people go to learn more about your your band and your and your jujitsu school and you know shijitsu and all this awesome oh, yeah. stuff that you're that you're involved with? I do have a few irons in the fire. But, you do. Uh, yeah. So if you want to check out my band, you can. Uh, Everybody panic is the name. You can listen to us on Spotify or download us with Apple anything or Google anything, whatever. If there's uh, even everybody panic bandcamp.com has a place where you can name your own price for stuff. If you're into giving us money, uh, that's the place to do it. <laughs> there you go. Uh, uh, as far as, uh, the band's uh, website, it's everybody panic music, uh, com. And so you can just go there and check it out or go to Facebook or Instagram, any of that stuff. Uh, YouTube. And as far as my, um, jiu-jitsu school goes we're called redline jiu-jitsu you can look us up by going to redline jiu-jitsu.com or redline bjj.com they both go to the same place uh and that's my website i also have a, a youtube channel called redline jiu-jitsu we have a bunch of cool stuff on there and um my wife has a clothing company and a, a women's empowerment company i guess it's called shijitsu shijitsu.com and check all of her stuff out uh, on there. She has all sorts of cool swag and cool information. Um, and then let's see what else. I also have a podcast called Submitting Life Podcast. You can check that out on all platforms also. Hopefully we'll have Big James out there. Do Man, I'd love to be. And do some, do some talking. I hope so. It's been a while since I've been to Oklahoma. Yeah, I'm sure we can get Pete and his crew to come down. I love that guy. He's a good dude. Oh, I do too. 
Yeah, last time I was in Oklahoma uh, teaching a seminar, there was a flash flood. That's <laughs> yeah. the that's the that's the first time I've ever been involved and been in the middle of a flash uh, flash flood. I almost missed my flight. <laughs> we do have flash floods. We have earthquakes. We have the biggest tornadoes in the world. We have firestorms. <laughs> that's it's crazy, a, it's a man. Blast, man! Come on over. <laughs> Yeah, I was trying to describe it to people. I was like, literally, like, if you're watching the news and you see, like, where the street looks like Whitewater Rapids, <laughs> that's how it was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, me and Jennifer got caught in a flash flood a couple of years ago and just barely made it. The cars behind us were completely underwater. We just barely made it to the high spot. Yeah, it was insane. We were luckily the people I were was with had a big four wheel drive, and and uh, we were trying to make it to the airport. Um, I'm drawing a blank on what area we were in, but it was where the the airport is basically like also a military uh, base or mm. military installation, and it's like literally the smallest airport I've ever been to it has two <laughs> gates <laughs> has two gates and a very short security line and uh yeah luckily uh, the police were trying to tell us to turn around there was no way we were going to make it there but we found a, a street where the actually the river had gone up over the the bridge that was going over the river oh yeah and, and we were able to make it across that bridge and oh and we God. got to the we got to the airport oh man yeah otherwise i was stuck and i might still be there <laughs> on anyone yeah well, brother, man, I really appreciate you taking the time to be on the podcast today. I, I know you're a busy guy, uh, and uh, it means a lot to me that you took the time to be on here. And like I said, I'd be I'd be honored to come out and do a seminar at your school and be on your podcast as well anytime. Yeah, bro, let's make that happen. Yeah, and thank you so much. It's a, it's a great honor just to be out here on your podcast. Absolutely, my friend. Well, listen, you have a great day, and I uh, hope to have you on here again soon. Yes, sir. All right. Take care. All right. Bye-bye.